Hello, welcome to the We'll Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, I'm pastor at Faith Lutheran Church. We're based out of Shelton, Washington, and we're a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your day. We're going to talk about miracles today. I believe in miracles. I want you to believe in miracles too. And I'm not talking about the Mariners are going to the World Series genre of miracles, though that would be nice. No, I'm talking about those real biblical miracles, those divinely initiated interventions that favorably alter reality, demonstrating the mercy of God and furthering God's mission in the world. Acts chapter 3 tells the story of a 40-year-old man who was born with a physical impediment, but by the power of God in the name of Jesus is able to walk and leap and praise God. So we're going to start there in the Bible at Acts chapter 3. We're going to read this story about this miracle. We're going to talk about what it means and what it means for us today. So please open your Bible to Acts chapter 3. We're actually going to start at the end of chapter 2 at verse 46. And we're going to read through chapter 3 verse 10. As you pull out your Bible and open up to Acts chapter 3, I just pray, God, that you would that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would be acceptable to you, O God, for you are my rock and my redeemer. Amen. A reading from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, He asked them for alms. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us, and the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. (laughs) Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. The man jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. A reading from Acts chapter 3. So it's a couple months after the resurrection of Jesus, and the remaining disciples, Peter, Mary Magdalene, John, and and others, were still in Jerusalem. They were waiting, waiting for a sign of what to do next. Well, then boom, Pentecost happens. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, hundreds baptized all in one fell swoop. It's the birth of the Christian church, and with Peter and John emerging as its leaders. Chapter 2 of Acts ends with this sort of summary description that all the believers were together, sharing meals, telling stories. 
studying scriptures, meeting together in the temple courts pretty much every day. So chapter 3 then picks up with Peter and John doing just that. They're making their way to the temple to attend the 3 o'clock prayer service, and they, and they encounter a man asking for alms, asking for charity. The man was confined to a wheelchair. His livelihood was literally at the mercy of passers-by on their way to church. Mercy, sir? Show some kindness, ma'am? God bless you. Presumably, Peter and John had encountered this man before. It's kind of like how you get to know the grocery clerk or the barista. Or maybe you volunteer at Community Lifeline, and you get to know the folks who line up for a mercy, a hot meal, a hot shower, or a clean pair of socks. On this occasion, when Peter and John are making their way past the man, something possesses them to stop. Peter gets the man's attention, looks him in the eye. The man puts his hat out, hoping for a generous mercy from this preacher fisherman. But this time, Peter does something different. He reaches over, grabs the man by the hand. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Peter says, get up and walk. And the Bible says that instantly the man's feet and ankles are formed and strong and coordinated. The man jumps up and starts walking and leaping and praising God. Like the old Sunday school song says, walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ, the man got up and walked. So you can imagine the commotion. Um, All of a sudden, there's some idiot making a scene in the temple courts just as afternoon prayer service is about to begin. One of the ushers uh, goes out to deal with the situation. Hey, buddy. And the man turns around. He's got this goofy grin and a little bit of perspiration under his nose. And the usher recognizes him as the wheelchair guy. Well, a small crowd gathers around. They're puzzling together what had just happened. The joy is contagious, and pretty soon the whole crowd gets in on it. Maybe they start all walking around and leaping and praising God. An ancient conga line. Praise be Yahweh, the God of Moses. Praise be Yahweh, the God of Elijah. Praise be God, the the God of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, the Bible has its fair share of miracle stories, right? The Old Testament, the time prior to Jesus... It's prophets like Moses and Elijah and Elisha who are filled with the Spirit of God and they're able to part the Red Sea, raise the dead, call down fire from the sky. When Jesus shows up, the Bible says that he is filled with the Holy Spirit and that gives him power to go around healing the sick, feeding the masses, casting out demons. And eventually he promises or warns his disciples that they're next in line that they too will receive this same spirit and that they will do even greater things. No pressure, right? I think about how many times Peter and John must have watched Jesus heal people. And now, Jesus, and now Peter himself is prompted by the Holy Spirit to act. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Peter's no miracle worker, he knows it. What he knows is that it is the work of God in God's time, according to God's purposes. That's why he prays in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus is not a magic formula or an incantation that gets you what you want. It's simply acknowledging that God is the one in charge. Ask in my name, Jesus had instructed. 
It's sort of like saying, God willing, and the crick don't rise. Or when Jesus himself prays to the Father, saying, not my will, but thy will be done. Peter prays in the name of Jesus because God and God alone is calling the shots. This miracle, all miracles, are a mercy from God. Nobody ever earns a miracle. Nobody ever deserves a miracle. It is mercy. It is all gift. To be clear, there is nothing in this story that suggests that that this man was a, quote, really good person or, quote, had a lot of faith. This man does not achieve his healing by praying really hard or by doing good works. He's just there, plugging away, showing up, and one day some guy named Peter looks at him and tells him to get up and walk and, sweet Jesus, I can walk! This miracle confirmed the promise that Jesus had made to Peter and John in the early church, that they too would receive the Spirit and do even greater works. And folks, that same Spirit, that same Spirit that was given to Peter and John and those first followers of Jesus, that same Spirit is given to you and to me in baptism. The power of miracles is not just a back-in-Bible-days memory but it is a contemporary reality for all the people of God, including me and you, O listener. So here are a few observations about miracles today. In one sense, we're surrounded by miracles all the time. Many of them we just take for granted. Miracles like laptop computers and podcasts, or penicillin, vaccine, soap, MRI machines, defibrillators, microwave ovens, Bluetooth speakers, smartphones, democracy, love. Are not all these, in many respects, life-preserving and life-enhancing miracles, gifts from God? One could wonder if there's any element of our human existence that isn't fundamentally miraculous. But in another sense, miracles are, by definition, rare. They are the exception to the rule. A disruption of our reality that reveals the mercy of God and is an occasion for faith. But they aren't the standard operating procedure. You can't just go to Miracles R Us or order a miracle from Amazon. The reality of miracles doesn't change the reality that the mortality rate is still right about 100%. Everyone dies. Everything dies. People, nations, churches, dogs, flowers, mosquitoes. There's no cheat code or shortcut or way to avoid our mortality. All those people that Jesus healed and fed eventually died. Even Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, eventually died again. Miracles, by definition, are glimpses of God's mercy. They are temporary, they are fleeting, and they are the exception. They're rare. Honestly, it is remarkable how much restraint God shows in not intervening more often into the affairs of the world than God does. I've always been the sort of over-functioning kind of dad, and I have some control issues, as many of you already know. That's why um, 
I've always admired uh, Jane. Jane was my first boss at Marcus Daly Hospice. And she was so good at not reacting to things. <laughs> she trusted people to do their jobs and to work things through themselves. She trusted her people. She trusted the process. And God is like that, I think. God trusts the people. God trusts the planet. God trusts the process. When humanity screws up, God doesn't necessarily rush to intervene. God would rather have us experience the consequences of our sins so that we can learn from our mistakes and figure out better ways of doing life together. That's what maturity is. That's growth. Compassion, faith, all these things take time. Suffering produces endurance, the Bible says. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's Romans chapter 5. And I got to tell you, as I look at the world today, I don't think God is going to bail us out of some of the stuff that we're dealing with in our nation. I mean, everybody's scared, right? Scared of gun violence or scared that their guns will be taken away, scared of racial violence, scared of dealing with our own racism, scared of vaccines, scared of masks, scared that wearing masks will take away their freedom, scared that not wearing masks will take away their lives or their livelihood or loved ones. I think God's going to make us figure this stuff out. I don't think there are any miracle cures to racism or hatred. There are no quick fixes. We simply have hard work to do. One more brief comment on miracles. When I read this story from Acts chapter 3, it's a personal story for me. Because my sister Julie was born with a rare genetic disorder. It created polyps and the nerve endings uh, concentrated in her left leg. And she's lived with pain and a limp all her life. I remember as a kid, I used to pray that God would give me her leg, even for one day, so that she could have a day free to walk and leap and praise God. I've always wished that she, there was not so much suffering. I wish that my sister had been healed. But Julie, Julie has never let anybody feel sorry for her. She refuses to be defined as the woman with the limp. She is Julie, and she is one of the strongest, bravest people that I know. Every person is a precious child of God, created in God's image and likeness, fearfully and wonderfully made just as they are. God doesn't make junk. And this is important. That man born without functional feet was no more or less precious than Peter, Paul, or Mary. And after he could walk, he was no more complete in God's eyes than he was before that day. Our fundamental identity in Christ is not subject to the color of our skin, the nature of our reproductive organs, who we love, how many limbs we have, or the functionality of our eyes or ears or brain. You don't need a miracle to make you a child of God or make you somehow beautiful because you already are. I hope this message about miracles has been helpful for you. I believe in miracles, and I hope you do too. Five very brief takeaways. 
Let's meet together in the name of Jesus like the early church did. Let's be ready and willing to show mercy and generosity to those we meet along the way. Let's pay attention to the promptings and the miracles of the Holy Spirit this day. Let's do the hard work of making the world a better place. And let's affirm and welcome every precious child of God just as they are. Amen. Amen. There, another miracle. I finished in less than 20 minutes. Now we just have to wait and see about the Mariners. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. COVID numbers are inching up again, so everybody be real careful out there. And don't forget to check out the latest Piggies video produced by our very own Jana and Pete Getty. It's called Equally Blessed, and I've included the link right here. Uh, you can in the transcript notes. Thank you, Chaz and Emily, for all your production work that you do every week to get these podcasts and videos out there. And to all the people of faith, your love and service and kindness and mercy in the world is the miracle most needed of all. Well done. And all glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Oh,